Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. So today I'm talking to the really incredibly lovely Ali Roth Barra, who is wellness director at Psychology's magazine, where she has interviewed world-renowned spiritual gurus, psychologists, doctors, and wise women and men, including Deepak Chopra, Gabrielle Bernstein, Byron Katie, John Kabat-Zinn and Mastin Kip. And I absolutely love this conversation with Ali. I learned so much from what she was saying and it really helped me to think about mindfulness in a different way. So one of the things we talk about is why mindfulness is so much more than being in the moment. And this really shifted things for me. Ali shares her experience of anxiety and panic attacks and how she handles it. And we talk about how we are potentially replacing our inner wisdom and how we can get it back. So I think you're going to love this episode. If you would like some free resources from me, I have some things I'd love to send you to help you on your path to becoming more calm, self-assured and confident. You can head over to karmayou.com forward slash free and enter your details there and I'll send you some goodies. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions on hypnotherapy and coaching at karmayou.com. So let's get into the interview with Ali Rothfara. Welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Good. I'm really good, thank you. The sun's shining and I went for a lovely run today. Um, I don't really like running, but it made it worth it because the it wasn't cold for once. And yeah, the cherry blossom and the birds everywhere. And I feel like the birds are getting braver. They're just like flitting around in front of in front of us. So So yeah, I've had a really lovely morning so far. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How lovely. How lovely. Yeah, I'm I'm noticing the birds so much. I don't know if it's just the fact that suddenly it's spring and you hear them again and (laughs) suddenly, oh, they are actually louder because no one's going out and the birds are all coming out to play. Who knows? Maybe that's it. They're taking over again. (laughs) Can you share with listeners what it is that you do and a bit about your story of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I've got my finger in a lot of pies, actually. <laughs> um, I guess my main um, my main role that takes up a great deal of my time is um, being wellness director at Psychologies magazine. Um, so yeah, putting together those pages, doing lots of research, and um, trying out and writing about all of the new kind of wellness trends out there. But also, um, my background really is in psychology. That's what my degree is in. So I'm really fascinated about um, kind of modern science and and psychology and those studies and then kind of applying them and seeing how they align so amazingly with ancient philosophy. So I've also got my, um, I'm a yoga teacher um, and have all of that kind of background, you know, studying ancient Eastern philosophy in terms of of yoga and then I'm also a mindfulness expert so so yeah I've done my kind of two years plus of training um in in mindfulness and um yeah trained under some amazing people um including John Kabat-Zinn and yeah so um so yeah kind of bringing that all together um and from there I kind of write about all of that stuff um I just wrote my first book this year well, I wrote it last year, but it came out this year. And then, um, 
and then yeah running retreats with my husband yoga and mindfulness retreats and yeah doing lots of different things all the time so it's quite exciting to kind of have a few different things going on and and just seeing where life takes me rather than having this this kind of plan if you like um but yeah I guess it all began really with psychologies magazine and before that I was working at places like um Invoke House I was working at GQ for a bit and Easy Living um and mainly in the fashion cupboards to be honest and writing about fashion and then after a while I began to a couple of seasons and I was like writing about the same stuff and you know fashion is is so exciting because it's art really and it's so creative so I love that side of it but I got to a point where I thought you know it's, there's there's more that I want to kind of look into and I had my uh, degree in psychology and so so yeah this job at psychology's magazine came up and I'd never really read it before I picked up the magazine and just thought god this is so different to all of the other magazines out there it's just jam-packed full of um interesting things to read to the point where you know most of our readers say well I haven't even finished this month's um issue and the new one's out and I've never read a magazine like that before usually you just like flick through them yep 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 and then you're kind of done in in a couple of hours whereas psychologies is something that people hold on to for years and everything's so relevant you know you can pick up one from a few years ago and still find things that will help you and I just loved how positive it was and how it was bringing you know modern science and psychology and all of those studies to life through you know real life and what was happening in our lives and we could apply that and I just loved being a part of that and being able to to kind of yeah deliver deliver that to the main population is these studies that I read about, you know, that I'd read in university that sound like gobbledygook and kind of translate them into something that's actually really interesting. So that's where I began. And then, yeah, through there, I just, I, you know, interviewing the people I've interviewed, you can't not, you know, try out these things like mindfulness and, and yeah, interviewing people like Deepak Chopra were, really was what sent me on my path to kind of be enlightened, if you like. <laughs> and going on retreats and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I feel very grateful towards Psychologist Magazine to setting me on this path that is very right for me. And, and from there, I have kind of expanded and moved, moved forward. And, and yeah, I think Psychologist Magazine for anyone who is, you know, looking to understand themselves better is fantastic because there's so many avenues off of, you know, what they're talking about to go and explore, you know, like hypnotherapy and Reiki, more spiritual things like that and yoga and then you know very like heavy psychology it's just very wide ranging and, and interesting and kind of good to help you find things that you might not have heard of before that you might want to amazing yeah I was reading psychology's magazine I was having a spa day for my birthday a few weeks ago and I was reading it and it really did stand out to me as being so much more positive empowering and smart and not uh, superficial, I suppose, like, not that there's anything wrong with the occasional bit of superficiality, but <laughs> it was a lot deeper than a lot of other magazines. And I really appreciated that. I'm really curious about what Deepak said to you. What was that like? And how did, what did he say that made you go on that path <laughs> to wanting to learn more about mindfulness? Well, I mean, I've still got the, I, I, we couldn't keep just like you and all, all your podcasts, you, you know, once it's uploaded, you've got it there, luckily, but um, for me and all of these, all of the interviews I've done over time, I've, I've had to delete a lot of them because they just take up so much space on your hard drive. But for some reason, I just can't get rid of that one. <laughs> and I need to listen to it again, actually. Um, it was only really 20 minutes, but I remember coming off the call. I worked from home, so I was in my living room and I came out of my, sorry, I was in my working from home and I came out of my, my office into the living room to my husband and just said, I've just had the most amazing experience. Like, it was, you know, I, I guess a lot of journalists will be, you know, I spoke to, um, I don't know, Meghan Markle and wow, it's the highlight of my career. This, I get starstruck over these kind of, you know, these authors and, and more spiritual people that maybe some people might not have heard of. Obviously, most people have heard of Deepak, but um, I can't say one, I'll have to listen to it, I'll send it to you maybe. I can't say one thing that, that I can remember, but I just remember coming off of it and his everything he says is just so profound and he's so normal talking about um how his um little um, grandson had kind of allowed him to see 
to be mindful you know at the weekend or something with something he's doing and he was telling us to kind of his message was like be a child and see see the world through a child's eyes and and going into that and exactly what his grandson had been talking about and it was just so lovely this man who is so so wise and so educated so intelligent has you know lived many many years of um of practicing what he preaches and yet he's learning from his grandson and i just loved that he was so open to that there was no ego there um obviously otherwise he wouldn't be who he is but but yeah he's just got a really amazing way of of speaking and and being very inspiring and profound so so yeah definitely if you haven't heard of him um his books are incredible and there's loads of free content out there with with him kind of talking and he's just a very very knowledgeable and wise human <laughs> amazing what about in terms of so mindfulness for you what does that mean to you and how's how has mindfulness helped you in in your life so I guess like speaking to these experts I kind of you, you can't and, and reading studies on it you can't read the studies and you know the the benefits are amazing that they're, they're almost too good to be true and I couldn't read that and think well I'm not going to go and and try this so it you know I tried it for a few years and and then I kind of realized that there's more to it than we're kind of it's kind of sold in the media as and was sold to me as someone in the media and then putting it out there as being in the moment and and it is that but it's it's so much more than that as well it's it's being that really is just the practice to help us to to learn to be in the now but really that can only give us so much so being here and now I can you know appreciate everything that's around me it allows me to stop worrying about the future and it allows me to stop regretting the past or fretting over what's happened in the past and and just be here and usually where we are here is okay we can you know we're here and we're surviving and everything's all right and that so that does give us you know a certain amount of benefits but it doesn't you know when we just focus on being on the moment there's so much more to mindfulness than that and and that is kind of limiting it's you know that's what it is but when we actually do an eight-week course um eight week my mindfulness course or really start to you know read some books on it and, and practice mindfulness regularly and different kinds of mindfulness meditation so there's you know there's um le- uh, being with the positive there's loving kindness um meditations which, ha- which help us connect with with everyone in the world and um and help us kind of cultivate compassion there's so much more to mindfulness in that being here and now is a practice that allows us to begin to be here and now with our feelings and that's really what mindfulness is so learning to be here and now with our feelings whether they're good feelings or bad feelings and just being with them in a non-judgmental way with compassion that allows us to begin to accept to accept where we are to accept how we feel because at the moment for example we're going through as a society as a as a planet a lot of a lot of anxiety and bad things that are happening and there's a lot of for me especially I'm sure lots of people will be experiencing this negative emotions and they're really difficult to be with and our natural um, kind of way of dealing with that is to push them away I don't want to feel like this and we push them away or ignore them or we try and distract ourselves with you know food or you know whatever it is, whatever our vice is. But that doesn't mean that that negative emotion goes away, often just screams louder at us. And that can be a really difficult place to live. And many of us are living our lives like that on a daily basis for our whole lives. So for me, the revelation was that yes, this negative emotion is here, but also there's some positive emotions or there's, you know, there's a negative situation, but also there's some positive situations that I'm living in. And if I can just allow them through noticing them through mindful awareness, if I can allow them to be here, to just be here, then they stop screaming so loud. And if I can hold them in a, in a kind of container of awareness together, then I can begin to accept that they're there. And that's how we find peace. So acceptance, accepting that bad things are happening, not meaning that you know it's okay or that we should allow things to continue. If we can change and improve them, of course, and but you know we need a mindful awareness to help us notice that they're there and notice how we can change them so that helps as well but but yeah to to accept that yes today 
I'm feeling um, I'm feeling anxious or yes I've just had a 25% pay cut which has happened to a lot of people yes that's happened I can't do anything to change that so beating myself up more and putting layers and layers and layers and layers of catastrophizing on top of that one problem isn't going to make me feel any better but if I can look at that and go yep that's rubbish and it's there and just allow it to be there then it almost begins to shrink because we've placed our awareness onto it which is all it wants from us and we can just allow it to sit there and mindfulness also allows us to see that you know through being aware of being in the moment we can see that you know one day we feel good one day we feel bad one day the sun is shining one day it's raining and we can begin to see over time that life kind of does this but it's always moving it's always you know it's transient and we might feel bad one day but we'll feel good another day and and that is part of acceptance as well so yeah in a I know I've rambled there but in a, because I'm very passionate about it but in a nutshell mindfulness really is about for me is about acceptance and acceptance leads to peace <laughs> that is no please don't apologize because that is so that is so powerful and if we could really absorb that and be able to have this sense of accepting our feelings Mm -hmm. and not beating ourselves up about how we're feeling or or making it worse by making ourselves wrong or pushing it away that would be huge for us that would be like the most life-changing thing ever so yeah um well thank you and that's really given me a different perspective on mindfulness and really that's such a, a good reminder to me as well to really have that acceptance and and that whole holding of all the emotions um is really really powerful now your new book is called the wellfulness project which i loved by the way i have it on kindle and it's such a lovely book really practical loads of inspiring stories i also love the fact that in the kindle version it has illustrations in it and pictures which is quite rare for a kindle book because it's quite a visual book in terms of um a couple of the tools that we use and you have to kind of it's really difficult to explain um so yeah when I was recording it, I had so much fun recording it um going it, that's when it felt like a real book to me I was like oh my god I could record it on audible <laughs> um for audible so going to the studio was really fun and, and I, I got there and I was like how are we going to do this and they're like oh don't worry they've got pdfs and I was like that's so clever I've never seen that so so yeah that was exciting Brilliant. What is wellfulness? How, how would you describe what that is exactly? Well, I made up the word, so it, I think it's good to, to, that I get the chance to, um, to explain what it is. So it's basically applying mindful awareness to the wellness practices that we follow. Um, and I've kind of, you know, we, when we think about wellness, it's often quite easy to think, oh, you know, about diet and exercise. But for me, wellness is holistic and so it encompasses of course our diet and um, and the way we move but also encompasses the way that we think about our body so body image and then space so those spaces that we spend our time in obviously we're all spending a lot of time at home at the moment and perhaps becoming more aware of how spaces make us feel and and missing spaces that we used to spend time in so um like I love to work in cafes if I'm feeling a certain way then I can get a real like energy off of working in a cafe and so yeah really kind of being mindful and noticing how different spaces make us feel equally people how people make us feel that we either have to be around or choose to be around and then the routines and the rituals that we follow how going to bed for example um can become for many of us a kind of mindless routine that we that just kind of appeared out of habit rather than paying conscious awareness to that routine and, and really thinking about how it makes us feel and how it serves us um, and then finally m- mind and the way that we think about things um, again it can be our thoughts if we just you know we are not our minds our minds are thinking machines and if we just allow them to run the show then you know we could end up thinking about things in a way that doesn't don't really serve us you know and, and nourish the way who we are and what we want to achieve so so yeah wellfulness is applying mindful awareness noticing how the things we do make us feel and from there we gain power because we can either choose we can either choose to keep something in our life and know that it's there 
um, to stay and that it's, there's a reason for it being there. For example, a yoga practice. Yep, that really serves me, in, you know, in, on a holistic level. It serves me and it works for me, so I'm going to keep that. But um, running, that I drag myself out to do every single day. I, I don't enjoy it in, in any level. It doesn't really do much for my body um, and it doesn't make my heart sing and I'm, it get, makes me really bored as well. So why am I doing that? Like, can I replace that with something that does serve me on, on a holistic level? So, so yeah, I think it's, it's, an empower, it's empowering ourselves really to really look at our lives and consider through mindful awareness whether we have things in place that are there because we we want them and we've chosen them or if they're just because they kind of appeared because it's what Sally down the road was doing or what thing you told me to do on a podcast and it doesn't actually work for me anyway so why am I wasting my time so yeah that's mm, that makes so much sense and yeah I really like what you do in the book it's almost like going through different parts of your life and and auditing them and just saying right is this working for me how can I bring more awareness to this area what, what can I change and and loads of kind of inspiration and ideas around that. Um, I know that you've spoken about um, your own experiences with anxiety and, you know, I've seen things that you posted on your Instagram and, and that sort of thing. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that and how, how you manage that yourself and, 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 yeah, what advice you would give, I suppose, for other people who are experiencing anxiety? Yeah, thank you. Um, do you know what? In the past, I have, I've had kind of low level anxiety, especially in terms of um, not feeling good enough and definite negative thought patterns going on in my head, critical inner kind of narrative going on. But it's only really in the past year have I, start, have I experienced, I'd kind of, yeah, anxiety that has been crippling and has actually really really profoundly affected my life and that's that began to appear as panic attacks and that was really difficult for me for as someone who who had done so much work and you know does yoga and teaches yoga who writes about wellness who um practices mindfulness every day to suddenly have this anxiety which almost felt like it appeared from no from nowhere and you know started showing up in this really physical way it was really scary and for a long time I didn't understand how I was feeling I actually just felt numb that's almost where how my anxiety began to manifest is just numbness not not um feeling sad but also not feeling happy not being able to be excited about anything even friends weddings I wouldn't I used to get you know oh my god I can't wait it's gonna be wonderful to see everyone I'm gonna have a dance and how lovely and it's not that I wasn't looking forward to it or that I you know didn't have a nice time when I was there but I just couldn't access like that joy that I used to be able to kind of that would just come naturally and that's that for me was the kind of warning flag and then that began to lead to just wanting to spend a lot of time alone and, and needing to be at home a lot and and just very quiet noises start to started to really um kind of affect me so like my first panic attack was in the car with my husband singing along to um to the radio and the radio was on really loud and and he was clapping and it was just so much and i think like being in the confines of the car and everything that was going on in my head that triggered my first panic attack so yeah noise noise really weirdly kind of started to become a, a thing for me um and I think that was when I realized that first panic attack I'd never had one before and I'd been with people who had I'd, I'd helped people who'd had them with through mindfulness um but yeah they show up very differently for different people I think and I don't even think my husband really realized that I was having one um but it was scary and that's when I realized I I think that something was really seriously wrong um and I confided in a friend and and that kind of brought everything just crashing down around me just almost admitting it to myself and to other people and then I put I realize now that and it's very easy to do that to do this art to kind of realize afterwards that you know in hindsight I put a lot of of guilt and shame on myself as someone who kind of was 
had been there for other people in the past dealing with anxiety and mental health issues that now I was having a mental health issue and, and dealing with anxiety on a like large on a big level and that was really difficult for me to honestly to kind of admit to myself and to other people and I felt like a bit of a fraud to be honest um so the panic attacks lasted for a few months quite severely that you know I'd have one night I had three in a row just relentless and they're exhausting but I I realized that I need I really found it actually very difficult to meditate at that time because um just being with those intense thoughts is very very hard hard to do um so and I, I kind of found myself moving away from those things that I'd done in the past to support myself yoga mindfulness and meditation um and just needing to just be a bit more to just be at home do normal things and and kind of lose myself in um just you know day-to-day -day tasks and just I guess that really that is the practice of compassion and just not putting too much pressure on myself to feel like right well I'm going to meditate five hours every day because I'm feeling anxious for me at that time it wasn't that wasn't the kindest thing to do and it wasn't um it wasn't helping me but one thing I did start which I'd never done before was start going to counseling and that really really helped me um and she helped kind of help me reflect on some things that I was I was doing in which one one of them was putting a lot of pressure on myself in every area of life and I think a lot of us who you know um I don't know whether you're freelancer all of us really we're living in a in an age of kind of you know we're all striving for success and, and greatness and and striving to lead extraordinary lives and that can also lead to putting a lot of pressure on ourselves and um one thing she taught me that has stayed with me is um trying to remember how she phrased it um it's not a demand it's a strong preference and that really helped me kind of start to navigate through life and take some of the pressures off um and yeah gradually week by week i started to to feel a bit better and understand myself on a deeper level and understand my anxiety on a deeper level and where it was coming from and then and then after a few weeks of, of therapy, I managed to want to and, and feel as if I was able to get back into yoga a bit and get back into um, meditation. And, and now, honestly, I feel like my anxiety and those panic attacks were one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given because it not only allowed me to really fully understand um, how severe anxiety can be in terms of like a physical reaction and how it can manifest um and you know bring that into my teaching and my understanding my empathy but also it's allowed me to understand myself and and it's given me resilience you know i've managed to move through that and it, you know at this moment we're going through the coronavirus pandemic which is extremely um anxiety provoking for many of us and i feel like got tools with it and it the panic I did have a panic attack when this all started again which you know I had to check myself and say you know don't don't put shame on yourself for having a panic attack again this is completely normal and um and it's okay that that's that this is coming up again for you but I'm, I managed to snap myself you know back into into me a lot quicker because I had been through it before so I think it's really powerful and I've read I've read so many Kind of like first-hand experiences and spoken to so many people that who have come through anxiety and are still you know like i'm still living with it i think most of us are still living with it hopefully it's reduced a bit but to you know most of us can see afterwards it's very difficult in the moment so again like compassion not putting pressure on ourselves to suddenly feel like this but but yeah anxiety can empower us and can make us stronger and can give us an experience that you know serves us in in a kind of strange way and i'm actually very grateful for it because it's yeah if anything it's just enhanced my compassion so much more and that's really an important kind of value for me yeah thank you so much for sharing that i think i'm sure lots of people listening can relate to that and i certainly can that sense of um you know how often we we beat ourselves up about how we're feeling and make mm -hmm. ourselves wrong or there's shame that we 
we feel about the fact that we're struggling and yeah. actually how important it is just to have that compassion and know that if you're feeling anxious it's not your fault mm-hmm. you know life is you know challenging we are here to learn and you know how how is that going to teach us you know to um to learn about ourselves or to adjust what we're doing and actually for people that are maybe really struggling right now you know are you going to learn something really valuable from this it's going to help you to come out stronger the other side or be able to help other people or you know learn about yourself mm-hmm. yeah like you know could it be that anxiety is actually our superpower mm, I love that idea I love that idea yeah definitely definitely I'll go with that I'll go with that I believe that I wanted, I wanted to ask you about something that I read in your book um you wrote about are we replacing our inner wisdom and around the fact that we are losing touch with that that instinctiveness or that inner wisdom or whatever you want to call it can you can you speak a little bit about what you mean by that yeah so I feel quite passionately about this um I think I I've got my book here. I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but it's it's almost like we're kind of replacing inner wisdom with the wisdom in our pocket. And by that, I mean our phones. So, and it's not just our phones, but I mean, you know, if we have a question, we consult our phone. How, you know, say for example, you keep feeling thirsty. The natural thing for us to do nowadays is Google it. Why do I keep th- feeling thirsty? And you know, we're, we're just bombarded with information. There's so much out there. So whether it's, um, you know, we're just walking down down the street and someone's reading a newspaper and there's, a, there's an advert there or it's on the tube or on the side of a bus or, you know, in the magazine that we're reading, there's so much information out there. And that's just passive information, let alone, let alone the information that we're kind of seeking. So say, for example, I want to, um, I don't know, boost my immunity. It can I can go online and I can find anything for free um, to help me learn about, you know, what, what I can do to, to boost my immunity. And all of that information is very valuable and it's, you know, it's important. It's, it's not that that isn't, um, you know, something that we should, we should seek. But for me, I think we're losing, where there is all of this free information, we're losing touch with the, the information inside of us. So the information out there is kind of that's knowledge so it's yeah information knowledge whereas the information inside of us is wisdom and we so rarely consult that wisdom and it might not be able to tell us exactly the same things as you know my body might not be able to or looking within and meditating on um you know how to boost my immune system i'm not going to get the exact same answers obviously as if i google it but what i can do is start to take that information and consult with myself and ask myself okay well what what does my body say about that so say i take this is a great example i am i'm in my mid-30s coming up to my mid-30s and i've got really dark hair so i noticed um about six months ago that i had a couple of greys coming through the front and I thought oh my god oh my god I don't want to go grey you know like we all do there's nothing going wrong with going grey that's just like a, my immediate kind of reaction and it was a reaction it wasn't a response another mindfulness technique um but I thought well okay what am I going to do about this um I'm going to learn how to support my body so I googled it Ayurvedic ways to um to deal with grey hair or whatever and it came up the Ayurvedic um kind of um medicine for it is to take um copper tablets so i ordered the copper tablets they came and i i took one the first day and afterwards i felt a bit sick i thought oh god i don't feel that great i didn't like connect the two the next day i took the tablet rushed straight to the toilet and threw it back up again my body my inner that inner knowledge that inner wisdom was saying nope this copper tablet is not for you we're not this doesn't work I'm not I don't want this in me I'm letting go of it but it took me two days to kind of figure that out and this very physical reaction and I just had such empathy for my body in that moment because it tried to tell me the day before 
like, oh, oh, didn't feel that good. This doesn't feel that great. But I didn't listen. And, and I think it's that, you know, we, we can take the information that we find out there. But if we're not looking within and asking within ourselves, how does this work for me? Is this working for me? Then we could be doing so many things, whether that's just, you know, doing something that's actually detrimental to our health. Like the, if I'd carried on taking the copper tablet to throw it up every day is not a good thing. You know, that can't be good for you. Um, and equally, whether it's just doing things that don't work for us and we're just wasting our time and money on them. I would love to see us start to consult ourselves as much as we consult our phones and, and the, the information and the knowledge that's out there. If we can combine the two, then that gives us so much power because we've got that wonderful knowledge that other people are kind of researching and discovering and creating out there. But then we're also applying it to ourselves and our own unique needs because we are all unique. There is no one size fits all for fitness and, and health and well-being. If there was, then, you know, we wouldn't need all of these websites. We wouldn't, you know, there'd be no advertising. There would just be a prescription like, here you go, this is what you need to do. But it doesn't work like that. You know, there is, if it was that easy, there would be no obesity. There'd be no, you know, you know, diabetes and stuff from, from eating unhealthily. It isn't as simple as that, but we all are unique and we all have different needs and also different interests, you know. So to be running, for example, where I live, it's um, Greenwich. So we get the marathon the london marathon starts here every year and we get running fever as everyone is running in the streets and um and afterwards everyone's like i'm going to run the marathon this year and and i used to sign you know buy into that and, and take myself out running but i don't enjoy it and it wasn't doing any i'd never see any results from my fitness mainly because it wasn't enjoyable to me so i would i'd find it boring and stop before i ever got to a point where my fitness would improve so you know, for us to to kind of create health, a healthy lifestyle and a lifestyle of well-being, we have to do things that not only work for us on a kind of you know information level, like running will will be good for your heart, for example. We also have to ask ourselves, well, do I enjoy running? Do I find it interesting? And you know, do I get really bored when I'm doing it? Does it keep me interested enough to keep doing it? And also, do I enjoy it in terms of my heart? And does it make my heart sing? And I think if we can find things that support our body, support our mind and support our heart, then we've got a lot, um, a, a much greater chance of building a life full of things that are going to be easy for us to follow, that work for us and that, you know, last a lifetime because we, they don't feel like hard work, you know? So, and we can only do that by looking within and consulting at that inner wisdom and, and asking ourselves, well, how does this make me feel? And that, again, is wellfulness. It's, it's applying mindful awareness to the things that we do and deciding whether they work for us. That's so, yeah, so important, I think. And just knowing, you know, so many of my clients and, and people that I work with who will always be asking other people's opinions about things or needing to yeah research things to the nth degree and looking outside of ourselves for the answers or what we should be doing or what what will help us and actually we're not we're not listening to the best resource that we have you know yeah. tapping into that inner wisdom and that part of us that knows what's best for us and knows really what's what's right and what we like and what we don't like yeah. So yeah, I hope people can really start to tune into that more after after hearing you speak about that. Yeah. I think it's about permission too. You know, I think we, we we've been conditioned to you know if something hurts, we go to the doctor and the doctor tells us you know what to do and we we do it. So especially you know like my my parents' generation, if the do doctor prescribes tablets, they'll take them because the doctor you know it's like this voice of authority has said to do this. And obviously, you know that is important. But at the same time, I think we're almost allowing other people to make decisions for us in every area of life. And, you know, when, when we start to look within, we also start to give ourselves permission to say, Do you know, what? I don't like running, so I'm not going to. Isn't that I, I get goosebumps whenever I think of that, like it's my life and I can do it or not do it, you know, and listening to myself and deciding for myself what works for me and that might change over time you know in 10 years time I might love running and that's okay as well so 
to constantly listen to ourselves and allow ourselves to change and give ourselves the permission to do that I think is a very loving thing yeah it's very empowering I like I like that a lot Mm. I wanted to ask you about success anxiety yeah because this is a thing isn't it it's a thing not many people know it's a thing but it's definitely (laughs) a thing (laughs) it's a thing oh my god it's I think I've done quite a lot of research into um, generations around success anxiety as well. And that, I think that's really fascinating. I think our generation is um, very much crippled by it because I don't know if you've ever read anything or listened to Simon Sinek, but he, if you're interested in this, he's a really great person to kind of um, look into this idea that, you know, we've kind of been told that we can be anything and yeah, we can, but also we can't. And I think it's almost crippling this idea of um, needing to be successful. And the thing is, the goal, the goalposts are always moving. So once we achieve one goal, it, it, I found anyway that I hadn't even got to that goal before I was planning the next one. And that's you know, it's very much the opposite of being mindful because it's constantly doing, 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 striving, 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 and never actually allowing ourselves to be here and now and just enjoy what's happening in our lives at the moment. I think it's very easy to kind of look look to the future a lot and and need to be need to have that goal in sight. And of course, that's such a big part of life, and it's you know, it it helps us, it's given me so much happiness and, you know, got me to where I am today. But if that's everything for us, this, you know, need to be successful, um, it can be crippling because where does it end? You know, this like ladder that we're climbing and there's never any end to it because, yeah, as I said, the the goalposts are always moving. Um, And again, I think it comes back to, to looking within and saying, well, am I happy right now? Am I here? Do I need to? Do I need that next promotion? If I'm earning enough money to to do the things I, that I want to do, if I'm enjoying my work, maybe maybe if I don't go for that promotion, then I can do something else on the side that I love, or I can you know take up a hobby or something and and live a bit more in, in enjoying the now, you know. Um, but yeah, I think for for our generation especially, I've spoken just to so many friends who've got to their kind of late 20s early 30s and thought oh my god I'm exhausted and a couple of my friends weirdly have kind of just quit their job and just gone and got you know something either brought their existing job down a couple of days so they've inverted their weeks they've got like a three-day week and a four-day weekend which I think is amazing that Um, sounds ideal doesn't it um so yeah they kind of put like they're not earning a ton of money they've got enough to to get you know do what they want to do um and they have kind of put obviously like their a lot of their goals on hold but they have they realize that they're happy where they are and that actually you know all of this striving doesn't bring them as much happiness as it once did or or as they thought it would and so they're they're able to now kind of enjoy the here and now a bit more and then I've got a few friends who have also kind of you know, quit their that like climbing of a ladder and got a job um, doing something, you know, admin or a PA. And obviously, though, it's difficult because those jobs can also be very, you know, on that career ladder climbing, but something that is not so um, demanding responsibility wise that they are, you know, they'll work, they're going to the office and work from nine to five and, and they take the hours of lunch break and then they go home and then they don't think about work anymore. And again, I think that's really empowering. Like, wow, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, I don't know, um, reading your emails at the weekend or at eight o'clock at night and they're enjoying life now a lot more. But, you know, again, it all comes back to looking within and asking yourself, well, what do I need and what are my values? What's what's serving me and my body, mind and heart? And and yeah, that might be a reevaluation and, and changing. And again, it's okay to change your mind. You know, there was a time where I wanted to be a magazine editor. And now I know that that's probably not where life is taking me. And because number one of the, some of the decisions that I'm making, but, but yeah, do I want that anymore? And it's something that I'll probably, you know, keep asking myself over time. So I think it's important to check in with, 
through mindfulness and mindful awareness, not just in the moment, like, oh, what's happening with the birds and what can I hear? But what's happening inside? What, what, what is my heart telling me? Do I enjoy this still? Do I, um, you know, how do I feel in my body? Am I exhausted when, it, when the weekend comes? Because I'm working so hard in the week and, and starting to listen to what, what we want and what we need on a deeper level and, and not just, you know, looking outside of ourselves and seeing what other people are doing and thinking, well, I need to do that because my friend's doing it, you know, just because they are doing that, it doesn't mean that it's right for, for you. And it doesn't always mean it's right for them either. Mm, totally. Yeah. And going back to what you said about this message, I think that was sent that you can do anything almost like anyone can be a pop star, anyone can be a millionaire. And that is, you know, on lots of levels, it's amazing to, to yeah. give ourselves permission to do that and to go after what we want to do. But at the same time, if you, you want a simpler life or if you, you try to, I don't know, make it in the music industry and it doesn't happen, then you can be left with this real sense of failure because you've been told that it's possible, but then it can't obviously be possible for everyone to be a millionaire and everyone to be a pop star. So yeah, I think it's about finding that balance between yes, go for your dreams, but also know that you're valuable, you know, no matter what. And yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I I try and think of it like any, any kind of success is just a bonus because actually I've got everything I need and I'm okay. Even if I did nothing all day, I'd still be okay. And that's how I try try and rationalize it myself. Yeah, and there is more to life than promotions and, you know, book deals, although that's brought me so much happiness. It's also, yeah, just I'm sure you felt, felt the same when your book came out. It, you know, this, this dream of having my name on a book was like a bucket listing and to hold it in my hands, I will be forever grateful for the opportunity and forever, you know, on my deathbed, I know that this is something that I will you know, cherish forever. But it also came with a lot of success anxiety because what if it, what if it crashes? What if no one buys it? <gasps> you know, and all of these catastrophizing thoughts come into play. And, you know, in a way, I, I've had to be very, very mindful around that because it could, it could ruin the whole experience, you know, just worrying about how well it's going to do and whether, you know, whether I'll get my second book deal. And rather than thinking, well, did I enjoy that? you know, it's fantastic, but do I want to do another one? And, you know, I, I, I loved it. And I, I think I do want, I would love to write another one, but not if I ruin it for myself by placing, you know, everything about this book on success and how well it does in the shops, because that's not the only thing that it's about. It's mainly the reason why I wanted to write it was to share what I had inside and to hopefully you know, allow other people to, to read it and, and take it in and think, hmm, yeah, what do I think about that? And, and apply it in their lives. And that's the most important thing. So I think it can be, it, I went to India earlier this year and one thing that I learned over there was that they do everything with love, you know? So doing a massage, they put all of their love and energy into it. Not because they want to get, be like a famous masseuse or, you know, get paid the most amount of money, that's their the ethos to do everything love and I think that can be a really good thing to kind of shift our focus onto away from success and as you say like everything every success that comes from doing everything with love is a bonus but really it's the doing everything with love it's the thinking about like the love that I poured into this book is the thing that makes me happy and the thing that makes me proud and you know fills my heart with joy versus I sold a thousand copies this week you know, it's a very mm. different feeling, very different feeling. So that would be a huge bonus, but it's not the only thing that exists out there. Yeah, totally. That's such a beautiful idea. I really uh, appreciate that. And yeah, I think there's something about, you know, enjoying, it's such a cliche, but enjoying the journey, enjoying the ride. You know, if, if, if having a book out might be nice, but if you hate writing it and it ruins your life for the yeah. nine months that you're writing it then maybe maybe it's not so well it probably still would be worth it actually but <laughs> yeah we, we we need to enjoy the ride and make sure we're enjoying it not just reaching a goal because sometimes the goals are not as satisfying when we achieve them yeah because actually 
we might have that mindset and so so many people do that we just go on to the next goal or what's the next thing and actually enjoy the ride and appreciate things when we've got it but also know that it's not the be all and end all yeah yeah definitely amazing <laughs> I think we're running out of time but I've loved everything that you've shared so much I can't wait to listen back to this episode when I'm editing it can you um can you share a little bit about where people can find out more about you where they can buy your book and anything else yeah. that you're up to yeah I'd love to so obviously um the book is called the wellfulness project a manual for mindful living and it's out now. So it's on Amazon, uh, Waterstones, um, when all the shops open, it'll be available in the shops again. Um, but yeah, you can order it online. Um, and then my website is www.aliroff.com, A-L-I-R-O-F-F.com. And then obviously you can um, find all my writings on wellness in um, Psychologies magazine, which is out every month. So, um, so yeah, and still in the shops and stuff at the moment and you can buy that online as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you gained a lot from this episode. Come on over to Instagram and let me know what are you taking from this episode? Find me at Chloe Brotheridge. And I would love it if you would leave me a review in the podcast app or in iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, leave me a rating. And is there someone in your life that would really benefit from this podcast? You can let them know by sharing this podcast. I'd be so, so grateful. So I'm just wishing you a wonderful week ahead, sending you loads of love. Hopefully you'll tune in again and I'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.